Well, Carlton, it's finally happened. Also, I apologize. Carlton, never misspoken your name before. <laughs> it's a hard Carlton. one. Carlton is like, I don't know, uh, yeah. maybe somebody from, from Boston or something. Anyway, yeah. it finally happened. Cat. The future is here. If you've listened to this episode, we've always been pro Naval, pro Balaji, pro all these tech progressive people. And one of the things they share is this idea that eventually all of us will be working pseudonymously. Did I say that one correctly? Mm, pseudonymously. You did. You got it right this time. Uh, Couldn't get it in the interview. But today's guest is a pseudonymous person. And that is at Spirit of Pines on Twitter. He goes by the Pine Baron. Maybe, as always, give us a quick recap of what you understood of Pine Baron from the interview. Well, so this is the problem. I messed it up so bad last week that I'm actually going to throw it back on you to see how you do it and just learn from okay. the pro. You want me to describe him? Do you pitch him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me right. about Pine Baron, Adam. So Pine Baron is the person that if you are a marketer, an entrepreneur, a content creator of any kind, you're beginning to just get a little bit of traction in your business and you're unsure of where to stow your treasures, right? You Maybe you've been reading a little bit about Bitcoin. Maybe you have some type of inheritance that's the, a windfall that's coming to you. You see what's going on with inflation and you're unsure what to do. You go to Pine Baron. You go to wealthpin.com, Pine Baron's website, and you can learn a little bit about kind of what's going on in the market, how SMB owners specifically should be thinking about investing. And then if if you want to take the leap, you can join his private, you know, mastermind community or whatever and 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 get access to the thoughts of other people who are like you. So, I think that's his offering, but he himself is so much more, so much more complex. He's he's this really interesting character who lives in the mountains. He's a marketing guru. He's now an investing person. He's done a bunch of real estate. So, you can't you can't put the pine Baron in a box is what I'm trying to tell you, Carlton. He's he's a lot of things. Well done, Adam. Well done. That's I'll have to study that later to make sure I, I I'm uh, that film on the dot next week. Yeah, that was great, man. The, the pseudonymous aspect of his character is really interesting because I think we've talked about this before on the show, but it it basically gives you the opportunity to be more open and free with what you talk about without having yeah. like a personal repercussion. And so a lot of people that have talked about the future in this, in this kind of context have talked about everyone having kind of these avatars or, you know, kind of operating in a pseudonymous way and being able to be more open and free with what they talk about. And then having these things kind of decentralized from your actual identity. The other side of the spectrum says, no, identity is going to become more important because trust is going to be an essential role. So that's kind of where this like whole idea of authenticating and making sure it's the real thing or the re- legitimate, you know, being or whatever entity behind the content that's coming out is important. So super interesting just as a concept. I know you guys don't yeah. talk about that a ton, but I, I'm I I still don't know where I fall personally because part of me was hoping he was going to convince me to start brand pseudonymously in the future. I think there's definitely an appeal to it in the sense that you can start a new brand. You can, you can do things that maybe, for instance, you can talk about subjects where maybe you have a high level of interest, but you're not necessarily a subject matter expert yet, but you would, you would kind of, you know, earn some of that expertise as you share. That's one thing that I think is an advantage, but at the same time, so much like for us specifically, he, he, he started in services like, like we do. And so much of our business comes because someone knows one of us, 
you know, and they yeah. know us on a, on a personal level. And so you're obviously excluding that inflow of, of business when you go pseudonymously, because you don't really want people to know who you are. On the flip side, we talked about this a little bit towards the end, the community that they've created seems to be extremely valuable and transparent to the people who are in it. And I think a lot of that is because he's not the only one who's pseudonymous. And so people feel a level of vulnerability and of safety, or be, you know, the ability to be vulnerable and, and safe at the same time. And I think that's something that is a little bit lacking today. You know, we, we craft and we like curate so precisely who we are online that that's, that's a rarity. So I, I do think it has a lot of advantages in that way, but it's a completely different episode and a different idea from what we normally talk about. And hopefully I think people will enjoy it. Awesome. Let's jump into it. Put that content down. Content. The closes on. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. All right, welcome back in. We've got our very first, a very special guest, our very first how do you say it, Baron? Is it pseudonymous? Pseudonymous? I don't know how to pseudonymous. Pseudonymous. <laughs> Guest here on Content is for Closers. One at Spirit of Pines on Twitter. He's known and beloved as the Pine Baron to, in some circles. But thank you for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Adam. So I we obviously I have followed you for a while. I think a lot of people who maybe are familiar with you have probably heard or aware of the interview you did on the Michael Girdley show. And we'll link that. Of course, he did a great job providing a lot of the background on you and, and the way that you came up. So I don't want to rehash, just like give us the 90 seconds on who you are, but I think maybe a more interesting question would be you recently tweeted out that you could have done, you could have named yourself the marketing Baron. You could have named yourself the investing Baron, et cetera but you chose Pine Baron and you had a specific reason for that. What, what was the background of that, that choice? Yeah, it's a good question. And this is maybe like a lot of my, a lot of good content, a lot of my best content. It's a little subconscious at first, but then just looking back at my thought process. So the Pine Baron thing is not just a shtick. I live in the rural mountains. I love hiking and skiing and kayaking on alpine lakes. So for me, my, you know, and, and I love business. I love marketing. I love investing. But I, I think it's very dangerous for that to be its own reward. You know, I'm, I'm in my 30s now. And, you know, making money is, is a good drive in your 20s. But making money for its own sake, doing business for its own sake. I, you know, I think you get old fast. So I really try and think about why am I investing? You know, why am I starting businesses? And for me, a big part of that was, was living my best life in the mountains. So that's why instead of, you know, making my brand around investing or creating content, I made it around mountain living because that's, you know, that's why I'm working hard. So I can live a great life in the mountains, raise a family in the mountains. It's, you know, that's, that's my why for, for why I work so hard. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, uh, there's so many places, ways we can go, and I think we will go into this conversation. But obviously, there's the investing piece, which 
you know, I, I want to talk about to the fullest and, and, and that's what allows you to, to, you know, have control over that choice, right? Like a lot of people who just have to have jobs, they can't decide that they want to live in remotely or in a mountain place or whatever, but you're able to do that. I am curious. Do you think from a creator perspective, do you think that that, although it might be in retrospect or looking back that choice of combining this mountain persona while talking about investing or previously marketing or whatever, do you think that's what helps you break through to so many people? Cause it's such a unique combination. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, yes, but it, it has to be authentic. Right. And, and people know it's authentic because I post videos, you know, riding my dirt bike or hiking amongst the pine trees. So it's, to me, it's very important to me. I, I can create content around it authentically. So I would tell people don't, you know, don't create a, a shtick that you can't really back up. You know, don't say you're like the beach bum investor if you're not spending a lot of time on the beach, you know, and I'm a mountain guy, but I respect beach guys, but it's like, you know, that'd probably be a fun account, you know, the beach bum investor, but you really got to be spending a lot of time on the beach and have a lot of good content around that. So yeah, definitely good to have something additional to marry your business content to, but you got to be able to back it up. Yeah. I used to live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I worked for a while in Calgary, Alberta. And so two different kinds of mountains. I mean, some people, some people would say the Chattanooga, uh, the Tennessee mountains aren't mountains. I think they are, but there, that is a unique and beautiful lifestyle. And I miss it a lot. Lots to do, always something to, to get after. So I I'm jealous of you that you're, uh, you, you've carved that out. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. I, I do love the smoky mountains, by the way, I have a trip there planned for next year. So I'm, I'm not a. I'm not a purist or, or a snob. So, yeah, that's great. So, so you, even in our little pre recording discussion, you kind of mentioned how you've had an evolution over your career. You were doing more marketing stuff. You've always been doing different investing stuff and real estate is somewhere in that mix. But I, without rehashing all of it, I think you have such a unique background and one that is. I'd say not traditional. And you had this, you had this little segment or this little bit about poker as experience or, or as a stand-in for traditional career experience. Can you talk a little bit about that and how has that impacted your ability to adapt into all these different, you know, career shifts over the last several years? Yeah. So again, like a lot of things, I can only take so much credit. You know, this is backwards looking at decisions I made when I was young or, you know, kind of circumstances that just the universe presented it to me. So, you know, I, I come from a, you know, a a suburb, nothing crazy, but I had a difficult time when I was younger and I ended up not going the traditional college route or anything. I had to basically leave home at 18 and, and hit the workforce right away. But I was always really interested in being entrepreneurial and and being self-made, being my own boss. And at the time, poker was really hot. You know, you had Casino Royale, the, the great James Bond movie. Internet poker was 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 red hot. It was unfortunately about to be made illegal. But, you know, it just, it completely captivated me, the the romance of it, uh, the ability to to make money just as your own man, just, you know, with your wits. 
so I played poker pretty seriously as a young man. I was technically a professional poker player because it's how I paid, paid my rent for a while. But uh, it certainly wasn't the, the romance of James Bond doing it on a yacht. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was, I was playing low stakes poker games with tourists. So, but, you know, I, I did love it in its own way, even though it didn't live up to the romance of the movies. And it's, it's a really powerful, for good and bad, a really powerful teaching tool. Why do you say that? Because there's so you are one of three people that I know that started, or maybe not started their career, but uh, but dabbled, let's say, in online poker back when back when it was legal. And all of them are now. I don't know who you actually, but all the other two that I know are like extremely successful. So what is it that that you learned from poker or? Why, why is there a trend line there, do you think? Yeah, well, I would definitely call myself, at the risk of sounding arrogant, I would definitely call myself successful, you know, just as a, a self-made businessman who's, sure. you know, built a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio from scratch. So it, it took a while. You know, I did a lot of dumb things and I really struggled in my young 20s. But yeah, I, I think, you know, you definitely call me successful by those perspectives. And so what, one key thing is I didn't play that much internet poker. So I, I played mainly live casino poker, which I think has some additional benefits to it for other applications. If you're just trying to make money as a poker player, online poker is great, or at least it was when it was legal because you can play, you know, eight different tables at once. You can analyze data on a very granular level. But if you want to kind of, apply those poker skills to other parts of life and business. I think there's something very valuable about playing in person, you know, having to look people in the eyes. Mm. But yeah, if I wanted to be more specific about it, poker is like an immediate feedback mechanism. So you make a decision and within minutes, that decision has either cost you or made you money. <laughs> so it's very ruthless. It's very unforgiving in that way. But but generally speaking, you know right away whether it was a good or a bad decision. And of course, you can have stretches where you're lucky or unlucky, but it, it's very hard to have any illusions about yourself, about your skills when you're playing poker. Because you can, you know, you can call yourself the best player in the world. You can think you're really good, but if the money is not heading your direction, you know something's wrong. So it's just that very visceral, very immediate feedback mechanism. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of really the, on, being an on, you know, a creator online or, or publishing online, because there's just constantly analytics and statistics that are usually public and that show whether you can back up what it is that you say you do. And so similarly, you know, like you said, you have a, a move and you get a feedback loop and it's either successful or it's not in the moment. Obviously that kind of triggered off what you're doing now over, over a course of time, which is investing and leading investment company on the behalf of others. We have a pretty wide variety of people who listen to this show, but you know, a lot of them are in the marketing space, maybe, you know, content creators, and then there's a, a good group of entrepreneurs and a lot of them are in the weeds, building their company, building their business, building their brand, whatever it might be, and maybe haven't spent the time that they should investing outside of maybe taking a flyer on crypto or 
something like that over the last couple of years. I don't know that. I'm just guessing. First of all, tell us about your company. Tell us what you all do and, and just tell us how we should be thinking about investing in your opinion. Of course, this is not investment advice, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So like I said, I, I didn't, I don't have a bachelor's degree. I didn't do the traditional college experience. So really the way I learned about the markets and investing is getting jobs as a marketer, as a salesperson in various investing companies. So I'm, I'm completely self-taught. Some people view that as a negative. Some people view it as a positive. But uh, it was a really good way to learn it because I would basically talk to these investment experts, learn their strategy, learn what they were pitching. And then I had to communicate that in ways that were both simple and compelling to potential customers. So it was, you know, it was good work. It, you know, ended up being a good fit for me. But I, and I think part of why it was a good fit for me is I genuinely loved the subject. Like, which, which I think you have to do to, to be a good marketer, to be a good salesperson. So I would just spend so much time digging into these strategies, digging into these experts, their background. And then you, it kind of forces you to learn it well. Like, yeah, if you're going to sell something at scale, I think you need to understand it really deeply. So that's, that's kind of my background. That's how, that's how I learned it. It wasn't, wasn't getting a Wharton MBA or, you know, doing a finance degree. It was, it was learning how to sell it. Yeah. So you learned the story of it. And then as you were, as you were, you know, whatever by osmosis, taking in that story and, and regurgitating it, you actually learned the strategy behind it. So then take us up to today and wealth pin and what you all are doing there. Yeah. Thanks for setting me up for a plug, Adam. So I still do some client work, you know, with other companies, helping them market their investment products or materials. But yeah, slowly me and my business partner have started building our own website. You know, we've, we've done this for other people for so many years and we like to think we kind of have a sense of what works and what doesn't work. So we're building an email newsletter and a website with, with our own content around investing. And it's really exciting to do something for yourself. You know, it's a little humbling when our clients, you know, have orders of magnitude, bigger audiences and products, but it's very rewarding, even when it's at a smaller scale to, to do it for yourself. What was that process like going for, cause so, I mean, I've been in services in an agency world most of my career. Five years ago, left, you know, being traditionally, traditionally employed and, and became self-employed with herd, And it's been an evolution. And, and honestly, it's been still a challenge to speak on behalf of our own brand and to generate, you know, new thought on behalf of, as opposed to representing or, you know, extending the voice of an existing brand. How's that tension been for you going from what you were doing to now? what you're doing with Wealthpin. Yeah, it, you know, it's definitely a juggling act, though I, I've been juggling for a couple of years now. So yeah, the, the tension's definitely there. I mean, I think maybe a lot of entrepreneurs, it sounds like even yourself, go through this life cycle where we work a W-2 job and then we, you know, we get an idea of how to go off on our own, but then it's still kind of like a service-based thing. So it's like, yeah, I, I worked for a big company doing investment marketing, and then I left to start my own company, but still doing investment marketing as a service. So right. it wasn't like full blown going off, selling my own product. It was, you know, somewhat similar work. 
but you know, I, I was more in control of it, but well, I wasn't as, you know, completely in, in control. Of it. So it was more of a, maybe a transition. I'm trying to think of the right words for it, but you, you, you get yeah, what like I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's doing, it's not like you're innovating or creating a new product and bringing it to market. You're, you're doing for me anyway, I'm doing very similar work. I just, the, there's no W2 or there's no employer that's, that's, enabling me to do that work it's it's uh i'm diversifying the risk of who employs me to do that work so that but it's not full-on you know selling products out to the market is that what you mean yeah exactly and but i i kind of did my you know we ended up kind of doing some of that for clients anyway and i found that really rewarding i you know i love product development i mean it's almost like starting a new business which I like. So then it's like, you know, well, we've done this successfully a couple of times for clients, you know, let's, let's think about doing it for ourselves. And that's been pretty exciting, but you know, I still do the client work. I have a few clients I, I really like. So, you know, I may keep that up for a while, but you know, it's, my goal is not necessarily to eliminate client work, but just to be able to work with the clients that I really like, and you know, really think it's a good collaboration. Sure. You, you mentioned your business partner. How difficult is it for him to not know who you are past your pseudonym? <laughs> so my business partner and I do, do know who we are. So, oh, gotcha. okay. so the veil has been lifted. On yeah. So aside from Wealthpin, you, you do your own real estate investing as well. I'm just, I know you, I think you were doing that before you, you went, well, I don't know which came first, your, your online, you know, persona or or some of those real estate deals and how has creating online impacted your your work in real life if at all yeah i mean the real estate kind of came first i had like a modest online presence but you know what one thing i learned like working you know working doing marketing in the investment world is you know, some of these guys I was marketing on behalf of were really brilliant, amazing track records, but some of them were just kind of company guys who hadn't actually achieved that much in the real world. And that, you know, that always bothered me. So it's like, I, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't have felt comfortable a few years ago, you know, writing and, and researching and, and publishing stuff on investing because I hadn't done that much of it. <laughs> so I, it's definitely important to me to like, you know, all right, I've, you know, I've made some money in the stock market. I've made some money in real estate and crypto. It's definitely important for me to have that component to it, right? I mean, you know, the infamous thing about people online just selling ebooks about how to sell ebooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, courses on it's courses. Like, yeah, I think you, you need some substance to it. And, and I didn't really start getting a following on social media. I think fairly until, you know, I was doing some interesting things with, right. you know, growing my business, growing my investment portfolio. So yeah, the following, my social media following definitely came after I started, you know, having some personal investment success. Got it. And I've heard you or set read you, I've read you, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I've read where you've written before that, uh, I think you said something to the fact that every, you enjoy podcasts because they let you listen, they let you listen to Rich people lie to you in a variety of ways. I'm just curious what lies you think you and I are telling today on this podcast to the people that we're talking to. Yeah, well, I wasn't talking about certainly 
you know, I hope I'm not talking about myself or, or people like you, Adam, or, you know, a lot of people in our milieu on social media. I was thinking about, you know, you're really big, you know, CNBC type, you know, talking heads. Oh, yeah. And, but, but, you know, I, I think it's an interesting thing because like, I'm not going to say names, but there, there are like really good shows that I really enjoy and that I like the people. I know them or have engaged with them. And there seems to be this understated agreement that if you're doing it for content, it's okay if it's not true. And I don't, I don't fully subscribe to that, but I, I, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. That's what I thought maybe you were getting at a little bit. And I was just curious, yeah, what, how, you know, how you think through that in your own content or, or what you think of that agenda a little bit. Well, you know, with my background in investment marketing, it's, it's heavily regulated. So it's, it's just been beaten into me that, and I, and I think people would actually be surprised how honest I really am. Like even in my content stuff that maybe doesn't have to be so tightly regulated, but it's just for so many years, I've been working in a space where everything has to be reviewable by lawyers. Everything has to have supporting information. So that's just like how I communicate now. And I, and I think it's a good thing, but you know, I, I take great pains to, you know, and I'm not saying I never make a mistake or, you know, get a right. number wrong with a typo, but I, I work really hard to like be very careful that, that everything I say is accurate. And that's just, like I said, been beaten into me by, by my work. So I, I'm really careful about that. Um, I mean, with that tweet, you know, obviously I was trying to be a little funny where I yeah. said, you know, rich people lie. I, I think I was probably thinking more of how, you know, the, to use the investing phrase people talk their book you know they if they're invested in something they really want to make it sound awesome and and promote it i you know i have no problem with that (laughs) that's that's yeah it's just people pumping their bag but yeah your your point is to do it transparently maybe exactly and that's why it's like you know sometimes people get annoyed at me you know when i when i pitch my newsletter or whatever on, on, on my social media feed, but I think, you know, no one's on social media or very few people I think are on social media just to be there. like, everyone is selling right. something. Now it may be a worldview. It may be an ideology. It may be uh, trying to get dates, <laughs> but right, right. you know, everyone is pitching something. So like you said, Adam, I think it's, it's better for it to just be out in the open. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Especially I would say the, you know, anyone who's, who's creating any volume at all is there for, for, or if you're not, then you're, you know, you're crazy. There's some more efficient way to get whatever it is you're looking for. So yeah, anyone who's, who's creating volume is, is trying to pull something out of it. Just curious as we're kind of hearing about all the different things you're doing, you've got a million sticks in the fire. (laughs) What, what has your attention in terms of content or or even investing any trends that are specifically, you know, shiny to you or anything that you're just particularly excited about right now? Well, it, you know, obviously we're in a pretty rough market right now. And, and I think most people, myself included, expect it to get worse. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, it's, you know, another thing where my background has been valuable um, is, is I've really learned you know, what I like is not necessarily that important. It's all about what are the readers like? You know, what are the, what are your customers like? 
So, and it seems like there's a lot of demand right now. And I think wisely so for, you know, recessionary investments, bear market investments. So that's, that's very much where my head is. And, and like I said, you know, being a, a, a person myself now has some significant investments. I can speak to that more honestly now, you know, when I was, when I first, it, it's pretty funny, you know, when I first started in investment marketing, I didn't have any money invested. So, you know, it's hard for me to like really understand on a deep level, like what, what customers might want. But now I kind of understand it. It's like, I, I have a significant portfolio. It's really important to me to protect it. And I think that's like what a lot of people are, are interested in. And then there's this additional wrinkle now that so-called uncorrelated assets like precious metals or crypto are also doing really poorly. Mm. So, you know, kind of before the market started to turn, that was a lot of the bets people were making. So now it's like, all right, those obvious bets didn't work out. What, what do we do now? And that, that's where my head is. Cool. And so if someone is interested in, in, you know, following up with you or, or understanding more of your insight on this, what kinds of things can they expect? Is Wealthpin an actual investment advisor or are, are you a content engine for them to educate them on the market or yeah, how, how should they approach that? Yeah. Well, I want to, to your point earlier in the regulations, I want to make it very clear. Uh, we're not a registered investment advisor. We're not tax attorney. We're not, you know, we don't do taxes. We're not lawyers. It's purely a content media site right now. So yeah, we just publish our ideas. We have a, a paid mastermind group with investors and entrepreneurs, which I'm really proud of. You know, it's just, it's a really cool community. Just cracked a hundred members and just, yeah, really cool high level talk about building your wealth, whether it's through a business or investing. But yeah, it's all content media. We're not, <laughs> we're not wealth managers. We don't, we don't take money. Even in our real estate portfolio, so far, it's just me and my business partner. We haven't taken on additional investors. And that is, you know, we may do that in the future. You know, now that we've built a little bit of a track record, but there is something nice about, you know, just being on the publishing content side where you can just really be blunt and honest. You know, we're not, we're not taking kickbacks from anyone. We're not, <laughs> we're not worried about, you know, you know, a lot of the fussy regulations you have to do when you're a wealth manager. So, yeah, we can just real, be really direct and honest. Like, here's what we like. Here's what we don't like. Yeah, you brought up the community. It's really interesting. So, how, first of all, I assume are a lot of those folks, do they come from knowing you on online or on Twitter? Or how, how, are, you, how are you doing acquisition for that? So far, it's all been through Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in the the notion that ne never start a business unless people are begging you to do it. <laughs> so, but yeah, when my social media started getting a bit of a following and we were getting into some really cool conversations and met some like-minded people, we thought it'd be nice to have a private community beyond social media where we, we could hang out. So it's grown very organically, purely through inbound social media. Now that it's kind of turned into more of a real thing, you know, we may look at doing some paid media acquisitions, but so far, yeah, just organic inbound social growth. Yeah. hundred people's legit. We always, we always, uh, my co-host on here, Carlton and I are always talking about how digital numbers get just, you know, they're they're They get so huge or so watered down because you don't think of these people as individuals, but a hundred people 
is a very full movie theater or, or maybe even more than that full of people who are there to converse and talk about a given subject. So I think that's, you know, that's really cool that you all have built that any, any specific lessons um, that you've learned managing a community. Cause that's even an, another skill or, or business outside of all the other things that, we, that you've done so far. Yeah. Good question. Like I said, it's developed very organically. I'd say my biggest takeaway, and this is not me blowing smoke. It's just, it's not that much about me. You know, once, once we got past 20, 30 people, it really is, it lives or dies by the strength of the community. And just, and maybe if I had to give myself any credit for it, it's by finding cool, interesting people on social media. We've just built it with a really cool group of people. But yeah, at this point, it's like, it has so little to do with me and my content. I, I really am just like a moderator or an administrator and just kind of encouraging, you know, certain threads of discussion. But yeah, it really lives or dies by the, the strength of the people in there. And, you know, I'm proud to say it's like, it's an awesome community. It's like, if, if I wasn't the administrator, I would absolutely pay to be a member. And, and I think maybe one thing we've done well is it's very focused on wealth building. You know, it's focused on investing, on building businesses. You know, we, we don't, and we have some fun, you know, talking about what's the best office chair to buy, or, you know, we just had a right. fun conversation today about Mont Blanc pens for signing deals. <laughs> but I think we've hit this sweet spot of like what you might hope a, a company Slack chat would be. But the problem with a company Slack chat is if you're smart, you're always looking over your shoulder. You're worried about offending someone. You're worried about office politics. So I think we've hit that sweet spot where it is focused on wealth building, but people aren't so worried about office politics or political correctness. Like they can be a little more honest because like we don't want just some crazy freewheeling community that devolves into argument about politics, you know, or sure. this or that. But, you know, we also don't want the super buttoned up looking over your shoulder office politics community. So I think we found a nice sweet spot between those two things. And yeah, it's really interesting because I think I think there's a huge we've had multiple guests on this podcast talk about how different activations they've done. Like one that comes to mind is a, is a software company called Tido. They've started hosting instead of hosting webinars or even doing like a podcast or traditional content play, they've started hosting in-person dinners. They'll fly into Austin or San Francisco or wherever and bring together prospects from that city and have them meet each other and have a closed door discussion about what's going on in the industry and what's going on in those people's business. And they said that it's been insane to them how much more freely people are able to talk as opposed to talking online because they're so used to having a, you know, a, a careful curated voice online where, once the doors are shut and you know it's a safe place, you can have this very vulnerable conversation. So it's interesting to see that as a trend overall. People definitely value that ability to be transparent and not have to overthink. You know, am I going to say something that is going to get me backlash or whatever just because I'm expressing something that I'm experiencing or, or my opinion? So I, I think that's interesting to keep tabs on. Yeah, I mean, I think you did a good job of describing my instincts here. And we would love to look at live events in the future. I think, you know, I think that's a pretty heavy lift. So 
yeah. have to see, you know, wait till the community grows a bit more. But yeah, and I, I think we, we've been able to capture some of that with our community, even though it is online, because, you know, some people are on pseudonymously like me, some people are on under their real names, but I think the community is very respectful of like, you know, what, what we say in that chat stays there and, and people are, are pretty fearless about sharing both the good and the bad, like saying like, Hey, I worked with this, this guy off Twitter and he did a great job or, Hey, I worked with this company I found on social media and they did a bad job. So stay away. Which, you know, again, people may not feel as free saying that in a more public forum. Sure. Yeah, great. Well, Baron, it's been awesome getting to hear a little bit about your story. Thank you for sharing your insights with us and with our community. If people want to follow up and either check out what you're doing with Wealthpin or just continue to read what you are publishing and thinking, where's the best places for them to keep tabs on all the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, so my main social media is it's, it's my Twitter slash spirit of pines and then my business partner is making some more content too under our brand name which is wealth pin w-e-a-l-t-h-p-i-n and then we're really putting some effort into building uh, building up wealthpin.com so uh, that's that's my plugs awesome well we will check out all those all those spots and uh, hopefully we'll run into you in the pines at some point here over the next you know, next little while. Yeah. Shoot, shoot me a DM. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of content is for closers. We hope you find this show really helpful as you grow your business with content. Maybe, you know, of other people who would find this show helpful as well. How about you send them our way? If you didn't like this show and you want to tell us that, then you can head over to contentisforclosers.com where you can send us a message, give us some feedback, ask questions, or find detailed notes for every episode. Until next time, keep creating and keep closing.